Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke chapter 8. And we're going to be in verse 4, beginning Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. I wrote it down wrong, didn't I? But I said it right, so... I want to read that and then pray over the word this morning uh, as, as we receive it. There in Luke 8, 4, it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see, and when they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have it only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would open our eyes to the wonders of it today, that you would continue to teach us out of the revelation that you've given us to hold in our hands. God, truth that we can touch. I thank you that you have not hidden yourself from us, but you've revealed yourself to us multiple ways, but in your word, Father, and I thank you that we're going to receive from you today, each one as we have need. Thank you that you encourage us, you build us up in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is teaching, like we said he's been doing, he's going about teaching the good news of the kingdom. And it says that he told the large crowd of people a parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with the heavenly meaning. That's the short definition for it. And, and a little bit longer, it's, it's a narrative. It's a fictional story, but it operates within our, our world, our, the, the laws, the order of things in nature. It, it operates along those principles, meaning that there's not things in the parables that we don't have and understand here in our world. And it, it represents the duties of man or the things of God, particularly the nature and the history of the kingdom of God are displayed in these parables and in these teachings. So he says this, he goes through it. Again, it's a natural story. It's not true, but it could be true and it has a heavenly meaning. 
And Jesus says, so a farmer went out to plant his seed and he could have been talking to this group of people in a field or next to a field where maybe this was actually happening or they could picture it happening or they had done that in their life. So it would have been very applicable to them. And he says he goes out and he goes to plant the field and he's scattering the seed and some of the seed falls on the footpath and it's stepped on by men and it's eaten by birds. And then some seed fell on rocky soil and it sprang up quickly, but it wilted because it couldn't get moisture. It didn't have enough of a root because the soil was shallow. And then there's some that fell among the thorns and it, it choked out the seed before it could come to maturity. And then some fell on fertile soil and it produced a crop for the harvest. He said produced as much as a hundred times what was planted. And then he says, anyone with ears to hear, let him hear. And he's speaking to physically like, hear what I'm saying. But he's saying anyone who can take this and understand it, let him do so. And the disciples were obviously not in that group at first because they said, so, Jesus, what does this mean? Because you think about it, if, if somebody just told you that story, you'd think this is a pretty boring story. It's just seed and dirt. And yeah, I mean, some, this is obvious, right? Some of, if it fell there, of course, this would happen. If it fell here, of course, this would happen. If it fell here, of course, that would happen. But what are you trying to tell us in this? And then he goes into this side teaching. So he had spoken the parable to the big group and he goes into this side teaching aside from the crowd, just him and the disciples, which I like the picture of this because this happens to me a lot of times reading the word or studying the word. You come across a a passage or a story or a situation and you just kind of look at it and go, I don't understand that. I don't know what that means. God, what, show me what this means. Teach me what this means. And the Holy Spirit does that work for us, the work of illumination. And Jesus is doing that work of illumination for them. He says to you now it's been given to understand the secrets, to have the mystery begin to be revealed of the kingdom of God. But I speak in parables for the others so that it might be fulfilled what scripture says, that they'll look and they won't really see, that they'll hear and they won't really understand. And so he's, he's doing a few things there. He's preserving the message from distortion and dilution. And he's taking a small group and making sure that the understanding that they have is solid. Because if he had given the explanation to the full crowd and just let each one run off with their own take on it, it wasn't time for that, right? Because again, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given, it, it would have gotten all out of sorts. You think about the telephone game, it wouldn't have worked well. But the disciples, he's discipling them. He's training them in the ways of the kingdom. And he's saying that, that, that you've been given the opportunity to look into this thing on the front end. And then he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. When we think of the word of God, we think of the Bible, right? His communication to us from heaven to us. And for them, it would have been less than this because they didn't have, you know, the New Testament on there, it was being written before their eyes, but they would have thought of all the communication from God through the prophets and through the history of their nation. He said the, the seed is the word of God and Christ was there preaching the kingdom 
among them. So it looked a little bit different for them, but it, it's still on the same track because they had the law and the prophets and we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. And they were beginning to see that unfold. He says, when the word goes forth, it falls in different places, like if you sow seed in the field. He said, the first place it falls is the footpath. It's the hard ground between the rows where the farmer, the planter would walk, where people would walk through the field. And so it became packed down by that traffic. And so when the seed would fall on it, it would just sit there on the surface. It said men would walk over it because it's a footpath and birds would come and take it. He said, some will hear the message only to have the devil, the enemy, the evil one come and steal it. Reminding us that there is evil in the world and evil has a personality in the form of the, the three synoptic gospels, Matthew Mark and Luke all tell this story and they all refer to the evil one and they call each one calls him a different name. One calls him the devil. One calls him the evil one and one of them calls him Satan. So the same but reminding us that there is a personification of evil that his mission is to thwart the gospel. Amen. His mission is to stop the gospel from not going forth because he can't stop that, but from being received. And it, he, he talks about the soil here that it's packed down so that the seed won't make it past the surface. And this is those that hear the word of God, that hear the gospel. And then it, it's an immediate visceral reaction. of No, that's stupid. That's wrong. I, that, no, I don't want to hear any of that. Right. I'm not, having, I'm not having any of that. It's quick. It's, again, it's from a deep place and it's just pushed back on the message. We, we've seen that. Lord help us. We felt that, right? At certain points in our life, as the word would go forth, it would hit us and we would, mm -mm, I don't want, no, don't want that. Don't like that. And our carnality would push back against it. You hear the word, but the immediate reaction is no. And, and, and you think, well, how can this be? This is the gospel. This is the word of God, right? And it's hard on a preacher, especially on a young preacher, which I still am, I think, because you, 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 you study and you see it. You see it. And when you communicate it, they can't see it. And, and you, you know, this is the truth. This is right. There's no way that somebody can hear this, read this and, and not know it's truth and not receive it like that. And then when you present it, it's no. Again, violent. And, and, and you've experienced this as, as you've talked with people. Some people, as soon as you bring up scripture, the wall goes up and they're like, no. But scripture confirms this for us that this is going to happen in life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So you see the difference there. He says it's the same message, but those that are headed for destruction say that's foolishness. That's wrong. And they're headed on towards Foolishness, And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, Our lives, the lives of the Christ followers, the Christians, 
are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance, this aroma is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. Yay! Right? And just see how he describes it. it. We know it from our experience. And then when you read that, you go, that's it. Yes, that's it. I am the smell of death and doom to some people. Again, woohoo! It's exciting, right? But it at least helps us understand, oh, I'm, I'm this. You smell me this way. They smell me this way. Why? Because it's contrary to their life and their thinking and where they're headed. So when two things that are contrary run up against each other, it's a, it's a violent reaction. When two things are similar, it's cohesion, right? And so he explains it to us that, that to the saved, it's a life-giving perfume to those who are headed for destruction. It's the smell of death and doom. And so how is this possible? And there's, a, there's an old saying that the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And so we remember that there is a reaction. Every time the gospel is presented, every time it's brought forth, there's a reaction. You cannot be indifferent to it. You're either softened by it or you're hardened to it. And you see that all through Scripture. When the word of the Lord would come forth, people would either be broken by it, softened to repentance, or hardened in rebellion to continue on the way that they were on. There's always a response to the gospel. And this response is coming from a hard-packed soil, trampled by men and thwarted by the evil one. So that was the first type of soil that he mentioned. Then he says in verse 13, he says, the seed on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. So it's actually the same soil as what was on the footpath. It's just in a different condition. On the footpath, it was packed down, trampled by men. The birds are eating the seed off of there. This is the same dirt because it's in the same field. It's the same dirt, but it's in a different condition. And it's got rocks mixed in with the soil or and or has rocks beneath the surface. So you may see the surface there and it may look fine, but there's rocks beneath the surface. And if you've ever talked to somebody who's plowed a field, uh, especially or, or, or land that hadn't been, you know, cut up before, if they identify a rocky area, they're going to leave that till last. <laughs> they're going to keep from that one, if at all possible, because it's going to be the most difficult because it's a whooping. I was doing some searching just, just on this because I've never plowed a field. But I've, I've, I've read, you know, books that were written during the time where people would, were plowing fields manually. And, and one of the books I read, the portion of the field of the property that was so rocky actually was given a, a bad name. It had a bad name. I won't repeat it here. Uh, because, again, it's such a whooping to try to break the soil and remove all of those Stones. You know, some of them are little, maybe golf ball size. Some of them basketball size. You go on some of these fields and you cut, start cutting into the dirt and there are stones the size of cars under the ground. And so you see there's not room there 
for the roots of the seed to grow down. And now, now we have, I mean, we have big boy equipment. We can get those big car sized stones out now. But for them, can you imagine how, you know, that would sound when, again, some of these places have stones that are very large. It's hard work to get the stones out of a field. And again, you can have a thin layer of soil on the top and everything can look fine. And the seed will actually set up and, and grow sometimes even quicker than in regular fertile soil because it's trying to get up to the, the elements where it can get water, where it can get sun and it can give you the wrong idea. It can make you think it, things are going really well, right? Hey, this popped up really fast. This is going good. I remember I, I grew tomatoes in buckets for quite a few years. I told Kelly just yesterday, I was like, I want to do that again because uh, it's been long enough I forgot how hard it was. And one of the years when we lived in Magnolia, I had planted, it's like the second or third year I had done it and I'd had some pretty good success. I had them in my backyard. I had a little concrete pad back there and I would plant them and I had my little stakes and everything. And this year I planted those little plants and got them from Walmart and put them in there and they started growing up. I mean, pretty quick, you know, I'll just go out there and water them every day and you know, next day it's this tall, next day it's this tall, next day, I mean, it's, these things got this tall really fast. I'm like, I got it figured out. And so I was telling her daddy, because he, he knew a lot more about it than I did, and I was like, I'm gonna brag a little bit, tell him how good my tomato plants are doing. And I was like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're really tall now. They're, they've grown up this much. He's like, they're this tall? I was like, yeah, man, I'm like way up here. He's like, that's not good. I was like, how is that not good? I mean, they're this tall. What's wrong with that? He said, or do they have blooms on? I said, well, they put off a few blooms, but they kind of fell off. He said, they're not getting enough sunlight. I was like, what are you talking about? They're this tall. Did you hear what I said? They're that tall. He said, they're growing up trying to find the sun. I was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But you know what? He was right. They grew up that tall trying to get to where the sun was. Now they have to support this whole plant and they weren't getting enough sun to actually put off tomatoes. So again, I learned a lot of things about, uh, I also had the other one too, where the deer came and stole them, you know, so I was the first kind of soil too in that one. But I moved them around to a different part of the house and they, they got a lot more sun and they, they did a little bit better. But with the seed that falls on the rocky soil, you can actually have the idea that, oh man, this is going really good. You see how quick it popped up. And Jesus said, these are the ones that hear the word and initially receive it with joy, like immediately receive it with joy. But then they only believe for a while and they fall away. So it looks great. They spring up quick, but there's no depth because of all the stones. The areas of their life that they didn't excavate and change, all those old iniquities that needed to be dug up, uncovered, removed, gotten out of there, they stayed under the surface. And it says they rejoice in the message, but they don't allow it to change the shape of their life. And so when temptation comes, they fall away. So the first one is far from God and the soil is packed down hard and not receiving. And the second one has been broken some and, and, and receives initially. But again, there's no change. The stones aren't removed from the ground and then they inhibit the growth. And it says it's just like when temptation comes, they fall away. They wilt because they can't get enough 
water because too many things are still in the way. Then the next one in verse 14, he says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. So these would have been areas where the thorns in the field had been plowed under, so it probably looked like they were gone. But then as the seed, the wheat took hold and started to grow up, the thorns started to grow up with it. And after, again, an initial response to the word, they fall back under the sway and the pursuit of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of carnal life. So you have access, actually, in this situation to Depth. So we're moving on, seems like progressively, right? Because we, we got off the footpath and we got the stones out of the way. And now things, the access to depth, the seed is taking root, but the thorns come up and are allowed to choke out the plant that's growing up that just wraps around it. Because you never, in this situation, you never stop loving the things of the world more than the things of God. It says it just creeps back up until it chokes out the plant and it never makes it to maturity, which means it never makes it to fruitfulness, which is important because we want to get to fruitfulness. So you had the footpath. They heard, uh, but there was no reception at all. It's hard packed. The birds ate it. Satan takes it and it's gone. The stones they heard, they received with joy, but there was no depth because we didn't get the stones out of there. And so it wilts for lack of moisture. They fall away because of temptation in the, in the, in the thorns. They heard, they received, but it was too quickly choked out by the things of the world. So notice all three of those heard the word. They heard the gospel. And it says in verse 15, and the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it impatiently, produce a huge harvest. So this is ground that is prepared. The stones have been removed. The, th the thorns have been pulled up, not allowing them to take hold again, which requires they're patient, which means it's going to take a while for God's word to really take root in our heart and grow. It's just like a tree. We don't cause any of it to happen. We just believe. And then he grows us a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And so patience is required. So we see the different types of soil and we've experienced it when we've been communicating the gospel to others. And we see it in our own life that we've had to work through. Right. We remember when we were just stone set against you know, I'll do what I want to do. I'll, 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 we, we, I don't even want to talk about that right now. And then we've dealt with the stones in life that sit underneath the surface that until we get them gone, they're going to block us from having any depth of relationship with the kingdom. And then the thorns of life that can spring up overnight and begin to choke it out if we don't keep everything tended this happens when we share the gospel. This happened when Jesus preached the kingdom. There were people that fell into each one of those categories. And who's going to be better at communicating the kingdom of God than the son of God who brought the kingdom with him? 
So shouldn't we expect not be surprised when we encounter all four when we're dealing with other people? We should expect it. We should expect to deal with all four in our own life at different times. But even dealing with those things, we never stop preaching, teaching, and learning the Word for our own sake and the sake of those around us that God has put in our life because you never know what He's going to do. And we were talking about this out here just, just earlier. That the last time the seed was cast out, that person may have been footpath, right? No. What about this season? What about the next planting? Maybe we're moving over to a different type. Maybe there's been some breaking on the surface and it's ready to be received and we can start talking about those stones. Maybe we made it past that, but the cares of life are springing back up and starting to make it hard to breathe. And we can deal with that. Because maybe they were the footpath last time. That doesn't mean they're going to be the footpath this time. Who knows what God has been doing to prepare the ground in the meantime. And we can't take for granted that we're all good because we're hearing the word. Because according to scripture, we can hear the word in a way that's not helpful to us. And the problem isn't the word, right? The problem is on our side completely. Because all four of these soil types that he mentions, all four of these types of people or heart situations that he mentioned, all four of them heard the word and it only worked out good for one of them, right? So we can't take for granted that somebody's going to be in the same situation they were the last time we talked to them. And we can't take for granted that we're going to be in the same situation that we were when we last heard the word or just that we're, because we're hearing the word that that means we're okay because we can hear it improperly and receive it incorrectly. We can't be like the footpath, letting our heart grow hard to the things of God, to the mission of God, to the compassion of God, His kingdom moving forward because that attitude goes over towards the evil one, the enemy, right? That puts us under His subjection so we don't want to be like the footpath. We don't want to be like the stony ground. We have to continue to un be willing to unearth those stones in our life. We, we can think we've got them all up, right? And then we're like, oh, you know, when I uncover this over here, I can see, yeah, yeah, there's something else that I've got to deal with. And it's a process in our life of removing those things from the ground that are going to inhibit Growth. It's a process of sanctification. Those old things that have been there for forever, those old hurts, those old attitudes, those old identities deeply buried on the inside of us. But he will point them out and he will give us both the desire and the ability to see them removed. We need to be ready to do that. We want to keep from being the seed that fell among the thorns. We want to be ready to pluck those up when they show up. Again, this is different from the stones because as you don't know, get those big stones out of the way, it's gone. The thorns can come back every season. Every time something changes, the thorns can spring up. And so we have to be mindful of that. God, is this taking place in my heart? 
Am I allowing something to grow there that I shouldn't? Did I not pay attention when it started? So now that's why I feel the way I'm feeling today because I've let something develop on the inside of me that I shouldn't have let develop. Help me get it up. Help me up rooted. Who do I love the most in life? Because my affections fund my actions. What, what am I loving after? Am I loving after him or am I starting to turn my eyes to the things of the world? Who am I seeking after? Who am I expecting to satisfy me? Him or the things of the world? And it's something that we need to ask ourselves regularly because we can easily look down from him to the things that he created and expect them to do what only he can do. And that's what happens with the thorny ground. And then finally, you've got the good ground for the word to work in. It says these are honest people, honest about who they are, where they are, good hearted. How is our heart made good except in him? It's not like, hey, there's only a small group of people out there that are good and they're the ones that are going to get to receive the word correctly. No, he changes our heart to make it to what he needs it to be. We just have to let him do it. And then it says who cling to the word. That means there's going to be times and situations where you want to turn loose, where it would be easier to let go. And instead you hold fast to the word that you've received from him. And it says in patience, they produce a harvest. It's not a sprint. It happens over time and patiently they produce a harvest to the glory of God. Amen. I want to close reading these two verse, three verses that follow. And then we'll finish up. Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come up so we can sing together when we get done. Because he continues on with this thought. And he says in verse 16, he said, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Which sounds intense, right? But then verse 18. So pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. He's telling us that we can hear the wrong way. We can hear, but be hearing the wrong way, he says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who stop listening, I mean, you're starting to listen to something else. Even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. And we see that anytime we've launched off on our own, like, yep, I got a plan. Yep, I'm like the tomatoes. Yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Nah, I mean, it's going good. It's going good, right? It's going good. And then fruitfulness just falls off because we weren't doing it the right way. We stopped listening to what he was saying. So we continue to pray for those that are around us, that they'll hear, that they'll listen, that they'll receive, that they'll cling to the word. And then we pray for our brothers and sisters that they won't waver 
because we see those who received it with joy and fell away to temptation. Those who received it but never made it to maturity because the cares of this world choked the life out of them. And we pray for ourselves that he will help us keep an eye on our heart. And we won't let those old stones of a sinful life block fruitfulness. And we won't let the cares of this world creep up and choke out fruitfulness in our life but that he would continue to change our hearts because that's what he loves to do, is change our hearts. What He came to deliver us into a new kingdom and then to teach us what it's like to live in that one. That's what all the gospel teachings are. That's what we go through the New Testament and we see the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then here's how it helps you in this life and on into the life that you'll live everlasting. His heart is to change our hearts. So again, just because somebody was on the footpath, they, that, that, was, that was the state of their heart. That doesn't mean that they're doomed. It's because they had stones under the soil. Doesn't mean that they're doomed because they had the thorn, they let the thorns creep up. Doesn't mean that it's all over. He loves to change hearts. We gotta keep hearing. We gotta keep hearing and hearing Rightly, he says, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear. Last summer, we went through a time where we, where we talked about prayer and we talked about going to the scripture, how to read it, how to study it, how to learn from him in it. We got to keep doing it. We got to keep doing it because that's what keeps the soil of your heart tender towards him. It's what moves the rocks out. It's what plucks the thorns up. It's what confronts you with truth because otherwise we're going to assume that we're okay and the, and the soil of our heart growing more and more fallow, unplanted, untended, and open to all kinds of issues. So we want to be careful how we hear. We want to be careful what we hear, that we're not giving something more of our ear than it deserves. We're not giving something more of our attention than what it deserves, especially those things that aren't helpful or good for us. We want to be careful what we hear. And when we're hearing the right thing, we want to be careful how we hear, that we receive it with faith. Amen. He is good. And He never stops planting the Word in our heart. We want to be like those whose hearts have been made good in Him, who cling to His Word and then patiently produce a harvest. Amen. Let's stand up together and I'll, I'll pray and we'll get ready to sing before we go. Father, thank You. Thank You that You never gave up on us. God, when we were the footpath, when the seed didn't even make it past the surface, when we rejected it, and we were under the dominion of men and we were subject to theft by the evil one. I thank you that you didn't leave us alone. I thank you that you turned the soil of our heart so that we could receive your word. And I thank you, Father, that you help us unearth the stones in our life. God, the old ways, the old thoughts, the old habits, the deep-seated things that would block the root of the word from setting up in our hearts and being fruitful. I thank you that you help us excavate those. You are more 
than able. And Father, as we walk through that, I thank you that we won't allow the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the thought that the pleasures of the world are going to satisfy our hearts to take root. Lord, but we'll understand that the best thing we can do is love you more than everything. That the best thing we can do is seek you in front of everything else. And it's in you that we're satisfied and that we're content and that we truly encounter what joy really is. And Father, as we've walked through that with you, as we continue to walk through that with you, I thank you that your word will take root in our heart, that we'll cling to it, we'll hold tightly to it, God, and we'll patiently and progressively make our way through this life. And fruitfulness will come out of us from you to bless those around us. I thank you for the testimony of fruitfulness and the lives of people that used to be a footpath. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that you, you protect your people. God, keep us safe. That we go together in peace and unity with each other. God, even those that are joining us online, even if it's at a later time. God, I thank you that you're with them right where they are. That you know no boundaries. Lord, we pray that you relieve us from this virus. Lord, we pray that you give our leaders wisdom and guidance. Lord, I thank you that our nation will turn to you in repentance. Our nation will turn to you in repentance, that we will love you, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. God, I thank you that those that are sick among us, you're imparting strength to, Lord, that they be made well. Lord, those that have had to endure uh, procedures, I thank you, Lord, for supernatural recovery right now. I thank you, Lord, for no complications, no issues. I thank you for strength to come from you into them. I thank you, Lord, that the spirit on the inside of us strengthens us even through physical weakness. And Lord, I thank you this week for joy. Lord, I ask for your joy upon your people, the joy that comes from knowing you, the joy that comes from serving you, the joy that comes from being found in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for an awa a reawakening of joy on the inside of us that the cares of this world, the things of this life will fall down to their proper place in our perspective and we'll see you as you are, high and lifted up. And I thank you, Lord, that there is joy that comes from our relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that it'll satisfy us and it'll also propel us into this week. Lord, let us look for opportunities to be an encouragement. I thank you that we won't miss them because we're looking down at our own life, our own issues, but that we'll see and see clearly and that you won't leave us in those opportunities alone, but you'll give us words to speak, actions to take, to bring life into situations. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.